Yeah, you're not dead and you can walk. Good times. <laughs> and we have our intro. <laughs> what you what you want? 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 Welcome to episode 30 of All Us Geeks. Woohoo! The big 3 I'm Jeff King. And I'm Jordan Steinhoff. And we're here to give voice to your inner geek. Yes. It is episode 30. Our baby boy has grown up to be so big and strong. <laughs> and then it got uncomfortable. <laughs> Weird. <sighs> you know what? Have you lost the thread already? I, before we started, my friend, before we started. <laughs> contest. We've got one outstanding contest right now. Our Cards Against Humanity contest for our participants who left a voicemail. And there were many. Many. Too many to, to mention right here. <laughs> if, in fact, that was a lot of work. Let's just skip it. Yeah. It's, You'll get the box. Yeah. Do you know anybody local that doesn't have Cards Against Humanity yet? <laughs> no. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we'll give it to somebody. Belly drum roll. Oh. And our winner is? Our winner is Chris Chung. Insert line here. <laughs> Hi, all these geeks. This is Chris from Flash 4 Games. And this is my entry for the Cards Against Humanity contest. Listening to all us geeks is like listening to our friends talk without the NSA breathing heavily on the other line. Thank you. So, Chris, thank you and congratulations. Woohoo! I'm sorry, but we do not have the Canadian conversion pack for Cards Against Humanity. You'll have to get that on your own. But I will be in contact here soon, sir, to get your address so we can ship you Cards Against Humanity and the three expansions. But not the Christmas expansion. But not the Christmas or the Canadian. <laughs> oh, you, well, you can have the Canadian, I mean. <laughs> would you like to deliver it, sir? Would you, would you like Toronto. to go home? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. What else we got? I mean, the only other thing really uh, that's pre-conversation-y type stuff that I have would be uh, we are in the middle of our drive, our pledge drive. So it's a September pledge drive month. Got to mention it every chance I get because it's September. So that when October comes, you can go, thank God it's not September anymore. <laughs> I'll give him 10 bucks just for stopping talking. <laughs> well, I've been working on that too. So far, nobody's, <laughs> so far that hasn't been part of the shout out request. Just shut up. Uh, so yes. Donation button on the website, allusgeeks.com. $5 or more, get you a shout-out during the daily audios. I am I am podcasting daily for the Pledge Drive month. Uh, we're asking you guys to help us out, so I thought I would uh, contribute myself by uh, seeing what I could do to try to podcast every single day in September. So far, so good. And, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes towards the end of the month when I've actually got weekend plans. <laughs> And of course, we got the t-shirt. Here's conversation with Megan and I in the car. It's <laughs> yeah. about what it's going to be. Uh, see, we got t-shirt pre-orders up on the website. And again, we're looking at uh, the if you do $25 or more throughout the entire month. So it doesn't have to be all at once. But if you've donated 25 or more throughout the entire month, we are looking at doing a specialized podcast. So that will happen after September. Uh, we'll have to put that together and record it and all that good stuff, but we will send that out to anybody that was kind enough to pledge that that amount. And that includes anything, T-shirt pre-order, straight-up donation, shout-outs, or uh, auction items as well. 
So, and I am looking for feedback on uh, what you might want to see in a special podcast. Any topics and or any guests you might want to ha- us to have. Uh, Don, we know what you'll say, and <laughs> and no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> that was a one time thing. The lights were out. <laughs> So yeah, it'll be it'll be kind of like a point five ish episode. It's it's not going to have a game review or anything like that probably, but we you know we'll uh, we'll uh, definitely include some topics if you have anything you'd like to hear us discuss. It's time for the brick breakdown, where we're breaking down what's building up in the Lego universe. All right, we're back with the brick breakdown. Today we want to talk about Lego and education. One of the big problems is when uh, parents come around and get into the toy aisle, they know Lego's educational, and what do they see? They see Star Wars. They see Lord of the Rings. They see Pirates of the Caribbean. They see Lone Ranger. And what they really don't see is the education behind it. Now, it's a really big thing, and they've been doing it for years. It's just, for some reason... The education part of Lego has taken a really big backseat to these licensed brands. And that's mainly because the licensed brands are what pushed Lego out of being financially unstable and right into the, the black. So we're going to take this segment of the Brick Breakdown and talk about where you can find education in Lego. Now, first up, we want to talk about a series called Creator. Now, Creator's probably the best-known and widely available toy line in LEGO that gives kids not just one model to make. Usually, it's about three models, and each model will represent uh, the use of the pieces in fairly dramatically different ways. Um, and a, a good example of this is the Fierce Flyers. Uh, you make like a, a scorpion, a badger, beaver, beaver, it's beaver. A beaver. And what was the the third thing that you build? Wasn't a squirrel, was it? Well, no, it was it was the the, the badger, the scorpion, and I think an actual bird of yeah. some sort. And sometimes there'll also be a series of vehicles, or there'll be three different planes or three different houses. Um, the creator line will give you a style or a certain type of thing to. To build, and it'll give you three different models to inspire your own creations. Now, this may seem like a, a trivial thing, but uh, we've actually talked to employees who've talked with parents, and they said that uh, some of these parents see a set being built, and they don't actually want their kid to take it apart. They'll actually want to glue it together so that it's always whatever the picture is on the box. Because that's what the Lego instructions say, so therefore that's the only thing it can be. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's either this or it's pieces. Which is like like as if it was a puzzle. Right. Uh and parents just don't get that concept. But with the creator line, since the instructions say you can do multiple things, it's easier for them to transition into thinking, well, this is more just building toys. Right. Very uh, helpful. Um, another line that's prevalent but a little harder to find is Lego Technic. Now, this is where all the gears come in. Uh, so you got worm gears. You got uh, just the round uh, basic gears. You have crown gears. You have motors. You have axles. 
Um, and it's almost like an erector set. Right. Because what it focuses on, whereas the normal building sets are about shape, color, and what it looks like, the Technic sets are more about how it functions. About building machines. And that is very, very in-depth when it comes to, to building because it, it gives you that functional, practical approach that the normal sets don't. The problem is Technic is hard to find. Yeah, most of the time you'll only find them in the Lego stores. Sometimes Toys R Us will carry them, but not a wide range of them. Uh, most Targets and Walmarts will not carry the uh, Technic line, so you have to go directly to Lego most of the time to get these. Yeah, for some reason it's just not popular. Um, of course, you also got the the bulk Lego. That's just lots of bricks and no instructions. Yep, they have um, usually a couple different set, uh, different tubs. They usually come in a tub. Uh, they come out with different ones uh, throughout the years, um, but they just be lots of bricks and different colors. But the problem is, it's just bricks. Um, so you're not going to get the variety of plates and slopes and other things that you would want for more variety. Now, that's all good if you just want a toy and you want the semblance of an education behind it. However, Lego has structured a few of its own lines, and there is another company that works with Lego called Lego Education that basically creates lessons plans behind um, Lego sets. Uh, you can find them at www.legoeducation.us, uh, and at the top, if you need a catalog to see what they offer, it's right there. You can look online. You can download the PDF. And uh, there are a couple of catalogs you can right. send to your home that's actually a physical copy. But they will actually help things like teachers um, who are trying to create lessons plans for a certain age group. They also uh, curtail um, uh, lessons for homeschooling. Uh, and they have brochures on you know what they provide for these specific groups. So it's a very... Education is is its main goal, and it's very clear and straightforward that this is education. Now, um, Lego, uh, I was saying, actually had its own lines. One of the recent uh, things is the Master Builder Academy. Now, not every uh, fan out there knows the best ways to ha assemble these uh, Legos to be stable, to be functional in some way, to have a certain look about them. And Master Builder Academy is the program that teaches kids well, and adults how to get the most out of your Lego. Sarah, you've actually played with the Master Builder Academy. Yes. Uh, one of the things that's been a challenge for me is learning actual building <laughs> techniques, um, it just hasn't come as easy for me. And so I've gone through the kits and it does kind of like the creator line. It'll teach you how to build a couple of things in a series. So one of them was robots. So it taught you how to build a couple of different robots. But then the final challenge is you take the techniques and it has these little shout outs and tips throughout the books. And then at the end, it'll say, okay, now build your own. Use these techniques that we've taught you. And the nice thing is it's, it's built as a series. So after you've done, you're done with series one, 
you move on to series two and it builds upon the techniques you learn in the first series. And they're up to four now. They used to only be subscription based, but now they are available um, on Lego.com as well as in most Lego stores. Yeah. And each series has what, like three sets? Yeah. There's usually, involved. yeah, there's usually about three sets that you can build. Uh, some, some of the earlier ones came out a little packaged a little bit differently, but the two more recent ones, um, I believe they're about $80 and you get three different, um, series of what to build and instructions in them. Yeah. Um, now that's fine for kids, but as, uh, well, it's fairly obvious Sarah and I are adult fans, <laughs> and that means that adults want Lego too, and we actually are very receptive to education. So Lego has several lines that really kind of uh, work with adults. Uh, one of the best known of these is the Architecture Series. Uh, this is where they take famous buildings, uh, like the White House, uh, the Guggenheim Museum, um, all these various well-known landmarks, and you get to create a mini model. Now, the really cool thing about this is the instructions in these sets are much more in-depth than the average one. And by in-depth, I mean, yeah, they give you the instructions as normal, but they also give you a history lesson. Mm-hmm. And this is where uh, you can learn about the building. You can learn about the architect. You can get these key features from this little historical lesson and have a nice, cool model that you can put on your shelf. So that's one that adults have really gravitated towards. Um, and from that line... And from that line, they recently introduced Architecture Studios. Uh, I picked up this set recently. It's $150, so it's a bit pricey to get into. But ultimately what it is, is a big bulk set of pieces. And you get a, like, 272-page book that actually talks about architectural, architecture in the architectural process. Um, and... It's it, it, in between these uh, bits of history, it gives you hands-on examples of if you take an abstraction, how you turn that into an actual model of a building. Uh, but you also learn about, uh, for example, Rex. Rex is an architectural firm that believes highly in the functionality of a building. So they gave examples of uh, this theater that they've built, and uh, this theater was well-known for doing rather strange stuff. For example, if they needed a pit, they would bring in a backhoe, dig a pit in the middle of their stage. You can't do that in most uh, theaters. It's just, they're not built for it. So they took that concept, made a giant, square, ugly box. It doesn't look like much, but its functionality is far and above anything else you can find. The seats are in the back. The stage is closer to the front, which is by the street. So that means they can open up that wall and just drive a motorcycle in onto the stage. If they want a Greek theater, same thing. They open up the back and there's the stage. You have open seating. Um, the other neat thing is they use a special type of glass that can actually go opaque to transparent. So if your scene requires a... um uh, it being in the middle of a city, whole theater becomes transparent and you can see the city around you. You need to go back to classic theater. It goes opaque. You're back in the black and ready to go. Uh, and also the seats are modular. 
So it mixes interesting bits of architecture with a practical approach. So it feels like a college course that's like a introduction to the architectural process. But Would you the, say that's fair? Yeah, but the interesting thing is, is they actually talk about how a lot of architects will, at some point, use Lego when they're building certain models. Not all the time, but they say like eh, one or two times out of ten, instead of cutting foam to build their model, they'll actually turn to Lego because it's a really easy medium to use to snap together, break apart, and stuff like that. And so it's very fascinating to hear these stories of architects using Lego for models and then learning how the architectural process works and exploring your own ideas. Yeah, because one of the uh, hands-on uh, techniques covered this issue is the fact that uh, scale is all relative to something you recognize in the model. And with Lego, you put some bricks together and, well, that could be a building or it could build be a pillar, or it could be a giant skyscraper. Uh, but the nice thing is they could mess with scale that way, and mm -hmm. they could do it easily. Right. So that was a really big um, factor for the architectural studios. Um, as, and if you don't find that challenging enough, they do have one more thing, and that's the Mindstorms. Yes, the robotics. Yes, it it came out around the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, the first version. The very first version. Now they're up to, an, uh, I think it's EV3. Yeah, it's the third version of it. Third version. Actually, it's more like the fourth because uh, oh, between right. 1 and 2, they had a 1.5. That's true. Uh, the really neat uh, novel thing about this new uh, iteration of Mindstorms is the fact you can download an app, put it on your smart device... And control your robot. Yes. It does come with a, a remote control, so you, you don't have to have a smart device. But it's neat that it becomes uh, something else that connects to uh, a technology that you use in your everyday life. Uh, and it does this with its servo motors and various sensors to control. Uh, it was just, that was the new feature. Of course, this is kind of pricey. $350. For that set, uh, the previous version of NXT 2.0 was uh, $280, right. so it's a bit of a jump. Um, but and the nice thing is, it's for 10 plus ages, 10 plus. Right. So a lot of schools will actually have programs where the school will buy three or four um, kits, and then they'll have a whole class, and they'll assign like three or four kids to one robot or to one kit. And the, the kids will work together in building this robot and programming it. And they'll have competitions. And um, sometimes I think they even have national competitions, yeah. I think. It's usually if the school wants to be involved in a program like this, uh, the school will buy 25 kits and put it in a classroom. And then usually assign about two kids per kit. Okay. So it can handle up to like a class of 50 students. Uh, but the nice thing is most classes, especially in California, is trying to be around 33. <laughs> They're trying. Trying. So it, it, it goes over in uh, various levels depending on your size of classroom. Mm -hmm. But that's what they try to do. Uh, the thing is those 25 sets have to go for an entire school because they are, well, like I said, fairly expensive. Um, so, yeah, one class could actually have a whole – each student have their own set, but since it's all the students, then you're sharing. 
Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Um, uh, it's very nice. Whereas the architectural studios, uh, when it comes to age, I think it was 16 plus. Yeah. It has a much higher learning curve. Yeah. It, it definitely, and it definitely reads like a, a college text. Mm-hmm. So uh, just keep those in mind for your advanced, uh, fan and builders <laughs> and builders out there. Uh, I know, uh, I still haven't cracked open my, uh, I have a 1.5 Mindstorms. Yes. And, and the thing is, Fans heavily support this. You can go on Amazon and get the Mindstorms for a dummy. You can get the various texts that run you step by step and give you more programming options if, say, programming's not your thing. Because that is one thing you have to learn with Mindstorms is now you have the element of programming uh, and then connect that to a physical model. It's very fascinating. I think that's... That's everything. Yeah, that's the main things with uh, Lego. If you're not finding education, um, those are probably some of the best resources to look for. And um, uh, because, I mean, it's important. Lego has always prided itself on being an educational toy. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason why those licenses... Yeah, they're profitable, but there's no reasons why they need to be a barrier to you um, educating your kids with them. Right. So I remember, I, I rec- highly recommend Creator, Technic, Architecture, Mindstorms, and mm-hmm. Lego Education. And Master Builder Academy. And Master Builder Academy. If you, and in fact, go ahead and work with, uh, these, uh, sets with your kids because, I mean, there, there's a lot of things you can learn. Definitely. And I, I know it, it takes you getting over your pride, but, uh, truthfully, uh, those lessons can definitely help. Oh, both you and your your younger fan or, or your older fan. Because, I mean, you got uh, the Master Builder Academy just for yourself, right? Yeah, so. I got Master Builder for myself. I'm an adult. I knew I needed to learn, and I definitely have learned. And the main thing is just you've, you've got to unlock your imagination. And as an adult, yeah, your imagination gets locked down pretty good. And so you look at these pieces, and they don't mean anything to you. But um, learning the techniques definitely allows you to create uh, more and uh, definitely have uh, fun with others. All right. Well, that's what we got for now. Uh, If you want to follow us, um, I'm always on the Brick Blogger uh, writing articles. Uh, Look for the breakdowns where I actually take apart Lego sets and talk about their techniques. And Sarah? You can find me uh, mostly on Twitter at uh, Eurogamergirl. I talk about board games, Kickstarter, and Lego. So you can catch me there. So this has been the Brick Breakdown. Now hit the bricks. Game review. All right. We are going to be looking at Gravwell Escape from the Ninth Dimension. Uh, You've heard us talk about this one off and on for a while now. It's from Corey Young, who is a listener. Hey, Corey. Hello. How's it going? So here's a little setup for this, right? Uh, we've been talking about this for a while. I interviewed Corey. We know Corey's a listener. So here's where things get awkward. <laughs> I'm always a little concerned that we're going to eventually come up to, I talk to a lot of people. You trashed my game, Exactly. Dick. That's what I, I, the separation between, the, it's never personal. It's always about the review. So will this be the first time? Or uh, did Gravwell live up to what we hope it will? So. 
Insert evil laughter here. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I'm rooting for you, Corey. <laughs> All right, so what is Gravwell? Gravwell is a game of physics. You are a... You lost me, <laughs> Spaceship trapped in the ninth dimension, as indicated by the title of the game. The game board is essentially a very large spiral. You start at the inside of the deepest depths of the ninth dimension <laughs> and have to get to the singularity, which is the last square, yep, on the gate. very outside of the, the spiral. And you do this by pulling or pushing yourself to or from other players or the dummy ships that are placed on the board as well. There's a deck of cards that are dealt out each turn, some blind, some face up, that are going to be your moves for the turn. Each player plays their card, and if you're close to a ship, you pull yourself towards it. However, if the close the ship you're closest to is behind you, you will go backwards. So it's uh, it's balancing trying to stay ahead of somebody, but at the same time not letting them get too far ahead. You're both uh, reliant on each other. Uh, well, all the players are, are reliant on each other to make headway, but there's a lot of dickishness here. Uh, you know, you can deliberately do things to pull people back if you know you've got a big, uh, you know, a big move, or you can, uh, you know, rocket against one of the dummy ships. And the game continues for five rounds, I believe, six six rounds, mm-hmm. or until somebody gets out of uh, out of the ninth dimension. Yeah. As I said, it's a spiral, and you work your way from the inside all the way to the outside. Yep. So it's two to four players. You're looking at about 20 to 30 minutes tops. It's a hard stop at six. Uh, usually somebody escapes before the sixth round, but you're looking at a hard stop at six. Inside, so you're playing uh, six cards, so you're making six moves within a round, and you play for six rounds. Start of each round, uh, everybody starts in the same spot, and there will be some derelict ships out. Depending on the number of players, there will be one or two. We've primarily played this two-player. I have played it four-player when I played it at Gen Con, but we've primarily got in two-player games. You have, like you said, the 26 cards that are A through Z. So they're, uh, you know, they have... uh, I I believe you mean said. Said. Yeah. (laughs) And they have elements on them, and really that's all you need to know about the elements. You don't have to actually know science. You don't have to concoct potions or anything like <laughs> that and then there's numbers on them and a few of them have special abilities so the normal cards the the ones that are probably the majority in the deck are basically saying pulling you towards your the nearest ship to you then there are some that will repulse from the nearest ship to you and then there are a few that are like i'm staying still everything comes near me comes towards me so these are the different types of cards. First round, they're all face up. The very first round, and uh, you basically it's it's a draft style pick. So each player will pick a uh, set of two cards until they eventually have six cards in their hand, and then whatever wasn't dealt out in that is not seen. You're not used, so you're not sure after the first round what cards haven't been used and all that good stuff. And then everybody picks a card simultaneously, flips it over. Who's ever Letter is closest to A goes first. Now, this is very important, especially as you start playing, you start to see how this works out because sometimes you want to be the first player and maybe not move as much, and sometimes you want other players to go ahead of you so your move is forward instead of backward. 
So like we talked about, you always go towards the nearest ship. So if you play A and the nearest ship to you is behind you and they didn't get to go before you, you're going backwards. And this can chain though as well. So let's say you go backwards and you go behind that ship. Now you've potentially made them go backwards and so on and so forth. If you are equal distance between two ships, you go towards whichever direction has the most ships in front or behind you. So if there's more ships in front of you, you go that way. If there's a tie, then you just don't move. And basically you rinse and repeat it uh, for the six cards. Everybody picks one and then everybody flips at the same time and you go in alphabetical order basically. And once per round, you have an emergency stop that you can use. This basically just says, I'm not doing my card. So if you played your big, you were hoping to move forward 10 spaces and suddenly you look and the nearest ship to you is behind you and you're going 10 backwards, you might go, I'm not doing that and just stay where you are and hope for then the next round that that person gets to go ahead of you so that you can jump forward. And again, you do this for six rounds. Now, rounds two through six, there's a couple different variants for how you can do the draft. The one I like and the one that we played with was the one that Corey taught us, which is a mix. So uh, the cards are dealt out in uh, sets of three by number of players. No, three sets and number of players in each row. So for a two-player, it'll be you know two cards, two cards, and then another row, two cards, two cards, another row, two cards, and two cards. So the way Corey showed it to me, the uh, co- it's basically a combination of all the variants. The top row are all face down. So you don't know what you're grabbing if you grab one of those sets. The second row is one face up, one face down. So you know one card you're getting, but you don't know the other card. And then the last row is all face down. Or all face up, sorry. So you know, so you see everything. So there's there's this whole. I kind of know what I'm getting. Or so you, there's this nice variant of the cards you're drafting, basically. And again, you go, you rinse and repeat that for six rounds, or until somebody actually makes it to the jump gate and wins. And there's one winner. There's no ties or anything like that. It's the first one to get there. It's a race. So that is how you play gravel. All right. So. What did you think of the components, sir? Components are pretty good. You've got a little spaceship for each player and two derelict ships. Uh, like you said, you can have up to two derelicts, up to four players. And the derelicts have their own squares, starting squares on the on the board. The board's uh, pretty simple. It's a quad fold, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's, yeah. a, it's a pretty small box, but yeah, it's quad folded yeah. up because of that. Yeah. And it's got a nice spiral on it. You know, there's nothing... There's nothing fancy here. Uh, the cardstock is good. The print on the cardstock is good. None of it's fancy, but it doesn't need to be because it's not about the components. It's about figuring your opponent. Uh, you know, the biggest component here is who you're playing against. Everything serves a purpose and it does it well. Yeah, these are it's a, it's solid components. It's kind of cool that they raised up the little ships and stuff mm-hmm. a little bit. They didn't necessarily have to do that, but they did put them on little stands. Uh, so when you're moving them around, the spiral, I believe... Well, it didn't help you. You were just knocking them over every time you moved anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, that's... <laughs> if, you, if you can't win, cheat. Destroy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and they're they're decent-looking pieces, and, and uh, yeah, you have the, the derelicts. The cards are, are good, and the, the board is nice. The spiral is kind of fun, and it uh, when you're playing it, you really get that whole if you, if you jump too far ahead you do get that feeling you're way out there by yourself kind of thing like, you know oh, there's nothing except crap. going backwards <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah it works very well I, we should 
I don't think we said it at the beginning. I know we've said it in the past when we've talked about it, but this was printed by Cryptozoic, mm-hmm. uh, just to let people know where they can kind of look for it. But yeah, the components are solid. I, I like them across the board. Uh, they do what they need to do for this game. So mechanics. Now, uh, before you answer, Corey is... No, gone. I've answered. <laughs> no, you, you shut up. You shut up and you listen now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, baby. It's okay. <laughs> I only did, never mind. It's gone in a whole dark, dark, dark. Path. We don't need to hear the conversations with you and Megan. <laughs> yeah, She's right. been gone a while. I am not a replacement. <laughs> yeah, that's what you think. <laughs> Dear pigs, <laughs> Corey has gone on record. It's good lord. <laughs> Corey has gone on record as saying that he tries to uh, in stop now. Trying to give Corey his moment. <laughs> He's gone on record as saying he tries to design games or, or create games that you can't immediately say this game is like this this game is my game you know so that you can't go Gravwell is a, is like this or you know if you like Gravwell if you like Gravwell you also like this or you know Seven Wonders is exactly like Gravwell you know that kind of thing so do you think he accomplished that with Gravwell I think so yes I think so too I think he's done it I I can't think of anything on the cardboard side, that this reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of a couple kind of things on the PC, mm-hmm. but uh, cardboard? No, this is, for me, my play experience, you know, is very unique. Okay. So what did you think of the mechanics then as how they were presented? They're easy to understand, but um, hard to master. You know, you got to keep in mind what you're doing with your cards, how much you hope to move, but also, you know, the variability of where you're actually going to be going in the turn and what your opponent or opponents are doing. The mechanics uh, are very simple. You know, try to get ahead. (laughs) But how you do that, sometimes it's by going backwards. And just get to the singularity. It's very simple. But it's it's also very, uh, it can be very subtle. Yeah, I like what you said about the whole hard to master and stuff because it's it's one of those things that when you explain it and when you show it, it's, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But then once you actually start playing it, and when you do something like when as soon as somebody does that stupid move where it's like, ha ha, I'm going 10. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> in the wrong direction. <laughs> well, or they do the 10 because mm-hmm. they're they're thinking the next card ahead. So yes. they're like, I'm doing 10 and then I have a and then I have a nine or, you know, I'm doing 10 and an eight or something like that. And then they do that 10 and they're then also that eight is coming back yeah. the other yeah. way. And it's like, oh, oh, I see here. And you play that game. You play that game where it's like. What card do I play? I kind of need Jordan to go first. Mm-hmm. But Jordan might be wanting me to go first because he might be trying to repulse, you know, that kind of thing. So it's very, you're right, it's very subtle. And it's very, you look at the game and you go, I get, I get this. And then you're like, oh, now I get this. It, it, there's, you know, at least once around, there's the, the Princess Bride moment. So surely I cannot, you know, yeah. but I like that. And I mean the movie, not the, the game. Because <laughs> I don't want to compare this to the game. Because this is... <laughs> no, it, it, it's really good. It's like I said, it's it, it's the biggest component is your opponent. Because, you know, you're, you're playing, whether it's two or four, you know, you're it's how you, do you know really how your, your opponents are thinking. Yeah. This is the most interesting. If you wanted to label this semi-co-op, it's the most interesting it semi-co-op is. that you've ever probably played. It's the most <laughs> bloodthirsty cooperative game you've ever played. <laughs> so yeah, the, I I think the mechanics on this are solid. They're they're very simple mm-hmm. and they're very simple to grasp. 
on the basic foundation side, but it's when you start playing. This is everything that I hate about Robo Rally, but made good because it's just in a straight line. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So rules. What do you think? Do they need rules? Is there a book in there? No. <laughs> the rules are pretty straightforward. I mean, the book is small. There's not really a lot needed. I mean, we're looking right there. It's what? Four pages? It's uh, it's like 10, 11. Well, yeah, but so the back page is just, you know. The back page is, uh, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like nine nine pages uh, with, well, actually you go like eight because of examples and stuff. The yeah. ninth page is variants, and the back page is just summary. Yeah, so actual and of course, core you know, rules. Like pictures. Yeah. yeah, actual core rules is a small part of that, and uh, rightfully so. There's not a lot to explain. You know, the, the examples are, are well done. It's a nice, colorful book, and the, the examples pretty much cover everything. Even without the examples, I, I don't think there's a lot of gray area there. No. The only thing is, and it, it's in there, is the tie stuff, and that's the question that will come up the most. Well, what happens if mm-hmm. I'm equal distance between stuff? It's covered. Well, what happens if I'm tied and the same amount of ships are on both sides? It's, it's covered. So We're not going to answer that, by the way. You have to buy the game, read the book. <laughs> we already answered it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think the rules are really well done in this one. It's a solid rule book. I think the only thing, the, the, the tie stuff could kind of maybe be highlighted a little bit more. It took me a minute or two to re-find it when we were talking about it, and and it was just what happens if they're equal, but it's not bad. I mean, there's, there's not a lot to it other than, uh, and it was, I mean, we found it and we knew what was going on and it's covered. So well done there. Teachability. It's very easy to understand the foundation of this game and, and it's the three different types of cards and you move and, and, and explaining it takes minutes. Just, you just kind of show the three different types of cards and explain what they do. And after that, it really is, it's going to be down to people understanding it by playing it. And it's everybody pick a card, reveal, and you walk them through there what, what's going to happen. Okay, you play to B, so you go first, and so on and so forth. And again, it's just going to take like two or three of those for somebody to go, oh, and you're off. But it, they're going to be able to play it right away yeah that gotcha moment is in the first round not even just the first game it's generally in the first round once you've had two or three chances to kind of screw yourself over with with your own cards (laughs) not yeah they never work out the way you think they're going to no it's gonna (laughs) all right theme what'd you think of the theme i i have nothing bad to say about this theme the uh don't want to say it but i mean could be anything but but not really (laughs) You know, for a game called Grab Oil Escape from the Ninth Dimension, the mechanics behind it fit the theme. But it, it's light. It's the theme and the mechanics work together better than some games that I've played, uh, where the theme is just a gloss. It is not displeasing. I actually kind of I dig it. I, I like it. And like I said, you to me, you do get that feeling like if you try to jump way ahead. <laughs> And you get like around the spiral mm-hmm. and everybody else is still back on the other side of the spiral. You kind of go, oh, crap, I'm out here all by myself and I've got nothing to push off. You know, you, so to me, that piece of and the I theme have an really a and a B. Yeah, <laughs> that piece of the theme really kind of comes in really nice where it's just like I'm I'm adrift alone and mm-hmm. oh, crap, I'm you know getting pulled back <laughs> kind of deal. So I, I like that part of it. I, I think the theme is pretty nice on that. As we were going through that pulling and pushing off each other and the derelict it really it reminded me 
of an old, well, not an old ep, but of the second series of Outer Limits, where this military ship of some sort gets sucked into this null area where there's no light, and there's this missing ship from the Navy that's there, and this alien ship. And they're doing the same thing. He's, he's trying, no matter how much force they exert from the engine, they're not moving. But if they, but so he's trying to slingshot himself around the derelict ship or, you know, push off the alien ship. That's where I kept going through this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we didn't have to get into the ghosts and everything that were in the <laughs> outer limits up, but that's where my mind kept going the first time we played this. So fun factor. I think it's pretty darn fun. I agree. It's, it's a lot of fun and it's super quick. It's mm-hmm. one of those things where you go, okay, let's play again. Because it does go that fast. And like I said, I, I like the theme on it. Yeah, there's not a lot of AP here. You know, you're going to look at your hand when you... The, the thing that I do like about it is, uh, in the mechanics is, you know, the somewhat blind draw, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of planning because especially if you're taking second, you can you have got one, maybe two shots to kind of balance one or two of the cards that you know your opponents took. But the, the semi-randomness of that, that still doesn't add a lot of AP or anything. Because you you have limited options each turn. So, yeah, it's really good. I think I would really add this. I would add this to my gateway game list. Mm -hmm. That This is definitely something that somebody can sit down and play. And it's fairly universal uh, for, uh, for people to pick up the whole space theme and stuff like that. And the game mechanics behind it are simple enough, but then they can kind of start to see the strategy side that I think this is a solid gateway game to bring into the collection. In fact, I, like I said, I plan on bringing it to the game day on the 14th. All right. I don't know. Uh, before we start, I don't know how you feel, but I even just talking about it and stuff, I, I feel like there are pieces of it we don't get to cover real well just from not being able to visually show it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind doing a preview for this one. Sure. All right, folks, so there you go. That's what we think of Gravwell, Escape from the Ninth Dimension. Solid game. Corey, thanks for a solid game. And uh, we can still be friends, I guess. We didn't get that awkward moment where it was like, hey, buddy, how you doing? Let's not talk about that (laughs) other thing over there. So uh, thanks for a great game, and I look forward to uh, some of the other stuff that you're working on. Hello, listeners. Do you want to connect with all us geeks? without it getting physical and awkward? Well, that's good, because that's not a winning scenario for anyone. I'm here to help you do that, because all us geeks would like to virtually connect with you, too. The first place you can do that, of course, is allusgeeks.com, which will have links to all the things that I'm about to tell you about. It also has our latest posts, which will show you which podcasts are out, which videos that we've recently produced and any written reviews that we've done. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash allusgeeks. Twitter, same thing, twitter.com slash allusgeeks. Skype, we're on Skype. We've tried to keep it simple. It's, you've got it, allusgeeks. You can leave us a voicemail there. And if you're just into that tactile feel of dialing numbers, how about punching the following random numbers into your phone? 1-952-236-GEEK. That's 1-952-236-4335. That will get you to our Skype voicemail as well. Nowhere on Google+, Plus, you can go over there and search for all us geeks. We have a guild on Board Game Geek. 
So for the true geek of board games, you can find us. Our guild is 1274. Or, of course, search for All Us Geeks. We have a new YouTube channel that we've launched recently where we've looked at special events, game previews, and some miniature-related gaming. You can find that at youtube.com slash user slash, wait for it, All Us Geeks. On the allusgeeks.com site, we also have a contact form that you can use to let us know what's on your mind. And you can always leave a comment on the individual posts for each podcast episode. And while we're on the subject of feedback, if you happen to listen to us through iTunes, we would appreciate it if you could go out there, give us a rating, and leave some feedback so other people can find us as well. Well, there you go. There's a ton of ways to get a hold of us without actually having to poke us with a stick. And we appreciate it. What we're watching. I know you and I talked about this. I don't think I said it on the podcast, but uh, I watched all of Orange is the New Black, Mm -hmm. the uh, Netflix series comedy. So that was pretty good. I actually enjoyed that one. And that one is, uh, what the hell's her name? Kenji? Kenja? The one that, the uh, lady that did Weeds. Mm, yeah, yeah. So it's the writer from Weeds, uh, but this is in prison. This is in a, a woman's prison. So I always kind of liken it to if they would have followed, uh, what's her name from Weeds? What if Mary Louise Parker had gone to jail? Yeah, yeah. And, and they followed her through there. So it was, and it's the same kind of th- thing. It was, uh, this lady went to jail that had, you know, this, this proper upbringing and all this stuff, and she, like, read like prison for dummies type books before she went to know what to expect. And, you know, and it's her whole journey through being in prison for a while. And it's got some pretty good people in it too, like Jason Biggs and some others are in it. So I'm actually looking forward to another season of that. If they decide to do that, sticking with Netflix originals, (laughs) I'm watching Hemlock Grove right now. So that I am on, I'm half through episode 10 of 13 episodes, so I'm almost done with it. It's this is not I mean there's it's uh supposedly award-winning and all this stuff and back when it first came out it was also when Amazon was doing their pilots. So they did their Zombieland pilot and everybody's like, "Oh, which one should you watch? And it's like, it's one that's a dumb comparison. One was a comedy and the other one's kind of like the drama and stuff. But I don't know. I Hemlock Grove, I'm sitting here I mean it's got a lot again, a lot of good people in it. A lot of recognizable faces and stuff in it. But Kevin Spacey is not in it, as I discovered. Yes, Kevin Spacey is not in it. <laughs> Where did, did that did come I, from? Oh, I thought I told you. I thought we covered this on the cast. When I was watching um, the House of Cards, House of Cards, right. I did not realize that there were two Netflix originals available oh. at the time. So it said, Netflix originals, Hemlock Grove. Okay. <laughs> so this must be Kevin Spacey. I don't know. No. <laughs> this is not what I wanted. No. But I don't know what to think of this show yet. I'm like almost done with it. And it seems to me like I'm going through it and I watch it. And this has been like, this has been like my ritual for the last week or so or more is I'll come home and while I'm watch, while I'm eating dinner, I'll, I'll watch an episode and then I'll continue on with editing or whatever else. But it's like, I come home, eat dinner, watch an episode while I'm eating dinner. And I always kind of go, all right, 
Let's see what I'll wait. I'll see what the next one brings. And that's just kind of my overall feeling on it. I will say this though: grossest werewolf transformation I have ever seen, and that was like episode two or three or something like that. I think that's uh, that. You don't want to. You don't need to. We shouldn't see that. <laughs> so Hemlock Grove, almost done with it. So once I finish it up, I'll see what I think of the finale. Then from there, I got a bunch of movies that I watched now. I finally watched this one. Don't judge me. Toy Story 3. I had not seen Toy Story 3 yet. Why would I judge you on that? I don't know, from not watching it yet or from watching it. I mean, you never know where we're going to go with you. Uh, I there will not- be judgment tonight, but it won't be that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I had not watched it, though. I had seen the other two, and Megan's had it on the shelf forever. And, uh, of course, she's already seen it, so it's like, Psh, I want to watch it. So I watched that one night. Watched a movie called Noobs. Have you ever? Yeah, it's it's kind of an indie film, but it's about these guys traveling to basically go to like a like a Halo or no a Gears of War tournament, and uh, it's got like Jason Mewes in it is the only real. But it's just all these guys that get together to go to this tournament, and uh, it's all right. Uh, this one must have came out a while ago, but I it just saw it on Netflix and decided to watch it. Wet Hot American Summer. It's kind of a take on the old '80s summer camp type movies so i watched that it was all right uh the gamers hands of fate did you see that at all not yet uh that was streaming for free here not too long ago for like a month or something like that so i watched it like one of the last couple days that you could watch it it was actually pretty good i enjoyed that one They, they they go the whole uh this time they focus in on like magic the gathering type so it's card card game tournament style card game kind of thing that they're doing uh, on this one then i watched a movie called the bay town outlaws that was actually pretty good if you like grind grindhousey type movies and uh let's see the incredible burt wonderstone i watched that was actually pretty good have you seen that one then yeah, i take it yeah. I liked it yeah that was pretty good uh silent hill revelation i watched not as good as some, the, the, as the other one. The visual because I the one thing i like about the silent hill movies is usually the visuals it was visually very different or mm-hmm. at least the split was not as much as it was, yeah. you know, the ratio. Right. Uh, I, it, 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 this one, it didn't even seem like a sequel. It just felt derivative. It, it, it's like, we're going to make this movie. Wait a second. This could be a sequel to Silent Hill. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So eh, I kind of, yeah, I was very eh, about that. And it, like I said, I was looking forward to, to it for at least the visual side of things. And that wasn't as much in this one. Hey, Rob Stark, he's still alive. <laughs> And, or was it Jon Snow? Which one of them? One of them? I forget. Uh, no, uh, Stark. Ed, Eddard. Sean. Oh, both of them were in yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Sean was in it. Yeah. yeah. And he lived. And he lived. State of the Emergency. Mentioned it before, but had to watch again because we're actually recording that tomorrow. Woo! Two Bald Geeks. You committed, we'll be, Cyrus. Two Bald Geeks will be recording tomorrow, so we're going to talk about State of Emergency. And that's uh, what I had for watching. Uh, the usual TV stuff, Newsroom, Longmire, and Strike Back. And then uh, I've been working my way through Fruits Basket, uh, one of the series that Don lent me. I hope to have that finished to return to him on game day if he shows up. I also watched Justice League Crisis on Two Earths. Marvel does the movies, but DC really rules on the on the, on animated. the animation. Yep, I'd agree with that. This is a really good take on the CSA, uh, the Crime Syndicate of America, although they're not called that anymore. <laughs> and then there was a series of uh, questionable movies. 
Stranded, starring Christian Slater, a moon-drilling colony that, uh, I don't know why they're called Stranded, because they had an <laughs> escape pod. They had two of them. Everybody could have gotten off. But the alien fungus, of course, accidentally reproduces in a woman and creates a crazy baby that tries to eat everybody. So, yeah. G.I. Joe <laughs> Retaliation, which, uh, you know, wasn't a kick in the balls like the first one was. was okay. I haven't watched that one yet. Eh, you know, no rush. <laughs> it's not going to get better with age. Bullet to the Head. Uh, hmm. Stallone. It was yeah, I've in theaters that. for maybe 30 seconds. It was surprisingly good. Really? Yes. Right. But that's because it was a French movie to begin with. No, not a tight. And this is heavily based on good dialogue, which, uh, surprisingly enough, Stallone actually, right. <laughs> for, the, for the most part, managed to carry off. But it's... It's good use of personal violence rather than Michael Bay just blow things up at a distance. Uh, it's pretty good. I keep passing by that one in the store. I'd say wait for a sale, but <laughs> it's still a good watch. I liked it anyways. Sarah tried not to laugh at a few places, so uh, I think she secretly liked it, though she would deny <laughs> it. Riddick, we went to see that. They just were remaking Pitch Black, so, I mean, they had the home run formula, but they just turned it into a ground rule double. It was everything that was good about Riddick, they, about Pitch Black. They kind of toned down a little bit, and then they added some stupid stuff. I mean, I'll I liked seeing Katie Sackhoff topless, but there was really no need for it, and there was just a bunch of stupid rape jokes and lesbian jokes. Uh, really detracted from what was going to be a fairly good action flick, and turned it into just a mediocre action flick. But again, if you saw Pitch Black and you liked it. Eh, you're probably going to like this. And uh, even though you nuked it, uh, we're continuing with Under the Dome. <laughs> Wraps up next week, I believe. It's been, you know, passable. You can tell it's Stephen King, even though BKV adapted it for TV. Again, only nuked it from necessity. <laughs> and because we hadn't started it yet. We still want to see it, possibly. You know, that might be a Netflix one. I really don't think it's worth even for that. <laughs> the... The specially shaped uh, DVD case. <laughs> I, I hate those anyway. I've got enough DVDs and Blu-rays as it is that I'm trying to figure out how to store. <laughs> you, you mean you haven't found shelf space for the Battlestar Galactica Cylon head box? Yeah, no. I haven't even <laughs> I haven't even bumped for the special like Walking Dead ones or anything. Mm -hmm. like that. It's just like I I get rid of packaging and and usually repackage everything anyway for space reasons. So gotcha. So yeah, under the dome. I mean, it's. It is what it is. That a lot of political commentary either got dropped out for TV or was made very a hammer nail kind of thing. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's not bad. It's just not spectacular. It's ABC TV, uh, and that's that's what I got for what I'm watching. What we're reading slash listening to. I'm continuing with X Heroes been a stupid week, so I haven't really been doing a lot of reading or listening. So I'm only, I don't know, 25% into X-Heroes. haven't made a lot of progress from the last two weeks. Uh, still enjoying it, just haven't had the time. Yeah, I keep meaning to go see if Expatriate is actually out yet, and I keep forgetting until it's too late. <laughs> Finished Necessary Evil, the uh, Milkweed Triptych Book 3. It was a really good ending. Would have liked it if he'd done something different. I mean, it's not a bad ending, but at the end of the second book, I thought he was going to take one character and do something totally different. But then in the end, he didn't. A little disappointing. Uh, it's understandable why. But uh, I really wish he'd taken Gretel and, and made a real leap of characterization and turned her into a hero. But he didn't. 
I'll spoil that for you because I don't think it's on your reading list. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> on, uh, it's not a lot on my reading list these days. <laughs> also on the audio side, I have started Hard Magic, which is book one of the Grim Noir series. I don't know how many books are in it. This is by Larry Correa, the dude that did Mon- the Monster Hunter books, which I really, really liked. This is a uh, a mid-20s kind of noir take on, well, he calls it magic, but it's uh, so far it's been more of a mutation. There's no finger wiggling and, and, you know, rituals here. It's just people have these powers. So it's set in the mid mid to late 20s. The First World War is mentioned, but there is divergent history because, well, there's the, the, the powers in place. And at the beginning of every chapter, they have this interview with a celebrity of the time. Like the chapter I'm listening to now, the interview was with Babe Ruth talking about how baseball wants to ban magical players after he hit his 200th home run for the season. And, you know, there's, I think there was a, like an interview with Jose Blinken talking about Stonewall Jackson in the Civil War, who literally had the power to like be, make things super dense. And that's why he was Stonewall Jackson, <laughs> stuff like that. So, I mean, there's interesting alt history take to the magic. And it's like the main is he too makes things super dense. And then they've got people that can heal people. They're not doctors, but they heal people and people the fades. They call that, you know, they phase through things and stuff like that. It's, it's a well-defined series of power sets in here. It's very, it's very enjoyable. I'm about, I think a third of the way through when he set up the good guys and the bad guys. It's set between World War One and Two, so the bad guys so far have been mob because it's prohibition, and the Japanese because it's prior to World War Two, and they're ramping up. It's airships and stuff, but not in a steampunk way. It's just the technology and the magic developed to make uh, airships much more uh, resilient and safe than you know Hindenburg. Ah, uh, so I'm really liking it so far. The thing that throws me though is uh, I had to research this dude because I never watched. Bosom Buddies? No, that's not it. Anyways, the reader is Bronson Pinchot. Oh. Yeah, okay. um, and I never watched his show, but, you know, you knew Perfect of Perfect Strangers? Perfect Strangers, yeah. There you go. Yeah. But, you know, Balky was mm-hmm. the character that transcended his show, so you, you, couldn't, you couldn't go through the 80s without at least not knowing <laughs> of him. And he actually reads a lot better than he acted, <laughs> from, from what I can tell. So he's doing a really good job with the voices and... and uh, uh, surprisingly enough, accents. He does a really good, uh, an amusing German and an amusing Portuguese. So yeah, I'm enjoying that. On the comic side, I read uh, a 12-issue series. I don't know if it was designed from the start to be 12 issues, because it didn't say it was like a 12-issue maxi-series or anything. It just went 12 issues of The Defenders on the Marvel side. And it was, it was actually, it was not spectacular, but it was one 12-issue arc, essentially. There was... Uh, they find this thing called uh, the concordance, a concordance engine in the first or second issue. And then the rest of the issues are, the rest of the story is uh, kind of a mystery, finding out what these concordance engines are, because the concordance engines have a guardian with them. Each one has a, a prester with them that's called Prester John. And uh, he does nothing except stop people from touching the engine. And the engine itself makes you unable to talk about it. So you know about it. Anybody that's in the room with you that uh, sees the engine knows about it. But once you leave, you cannot directly reference it. So they're trying to solve the mystery of what this is, but without being able to articulate the mystery they're trying to solve. It was uh, it was interesting. It would make a better book, I think, than a comic. You know, the art was meh, but 
I like it when they do the Defenders, even though this wasn't the traditional. But it had Doctor Strange, and it had a Hulk, and it had Namor for a bit. So that was good enough for me. It was enjoyable, not spectacular. Uh, I also read the Trinity War that went through Justice League, Justice League of America, and Justice League Dark. It was, it all ended up being just a big lead-in. Not in a bad way. Jeff Lemire wrote some of it. So, it was, you know, it was okay. It was just not spectacular. Superman gets tainted, kills a dude, kills Dr. Light. This is not a spoiler because this is from July. So, <laughs> kills Dr. Light. And then the Trinity, which is Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, are divided on how to deal with this. And so the three Justice Leagues divide up between the three, the Trinity, to to decide how they're going to deal with Superman, whether to... Uh, you know, keep him under lock and key or help him find out what's going on or, you know, option C. And it turned out to be a big lead in essentially to Villains Month and Forever Evil, which I also read for Evil number one, which is reintroducing the crime syndicate into New 52. So it was kind of a crime syndicate week for me, actually. And it was, it was cool. It was good. It starts off, uh, killing Aquaman. So, you know, that's always good. <laughs> Uh, even though it was evil Aquaman. But it starts off, there has been a gap of time undefined between the end of the Trinity War and then issue number one of Forever Evil because they start off right away throwing down Superman's cape, Wonder Woman's lasso, and Aquaman's trident in front of uh, the Secret Society of Supervillains and saying, we're in charge now. So we don't know yet, anyways, what's happened to not only all the heroes, but... The Justice Leagues in particular. It was actually a pretty good intro issue, but I'm biased because I really like the Crime Syndicate. Uh, I'll probably wait for the bargain bin to get the rest of it, but uh, maybe not. It's, it's It was just that enjoyable enough that I might spend the five bucks a month on it. And earlier this month, we're live started. And I've been having difficulty waiting three weeks to get the whole first chapter, but I, I held out. And uh, I listened to the whole first chapter and thought it was a good recap, a good uh, level set to get everybody back into uh, back into the show after what I thought was a far too long a layoff. It was a far too long layoff. And that's what I've been reading and listening to. And your dog. Oh, Can't yeah, help but listen to that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. This is, uh, this is what I talked about the other day on the Daily <laughs> without Megan here. Our, uh, my dog is fed up. She's been a- alone far too long. We've recorded long enough. All right, let's see. Uh, Hack Slash Volume 3, I finished. So got through that and uh, handed that back over to Jordan now <laughs> to take home. And uh, I did pick up the Pathfinder comics mm-hmm. and read through those, including the uh, Goblins one. They have a Goblins uh, series that they're starting up for Pathfinder Goblins. Oh, okay. And I think issue number two of that just recently came out, like within this last week. I haven't picked that up yet or looked at it because probably wait to usually – not a good idea to get them the week they come out <laughs> since they tack at least a dollar on <laughs> for that. But I enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun reading through most of that stuff. I'm in a weird spot though, where like I like Paizo art for the most part, but there are parts in the comic that didn't really work for me. I didn't like it. Like when they met Black Fang, there were certain strips or whatever or panels that it was hard to tell. There wasn't enough contrast to, to you know, you you really had to look at it and figure out, okay, well, okay, here's there's a There's and, a big difference. You can really see the difference in the pencilers that they have going yeah. on here. The, the artists, I mean, none of it's bad, but it is very 
contrasting to each other. But I did enjoy this the story and all that stuff and getting to know the characters a little bit more since we've been playing them a lot. So that was fun. Do you find that you've bonded with cars now? Uh, well, see, I play the monk a lot. Hmm. And actually, I'm trying to get the the, the one I want to solo with didn't get a lot of time. It's Lenny, the druid. Hmm. <laughs> it's like, hey, nope, I'm not going with you. <laughs> All right, then. And then the only other thing I've really been reading re- recently is the Lost Legends rule book. Because I want us to play that soon. Mm-hmm. Know, although we got to think about what we're reviewing next. But since we hadn't had that discussion yet, I started reading that since it was something else I picked up at Gen Con. That's all I've really been reading. Uh, I haven't listened to the We're Alive yet since I'm still trying to figure out my whole when do I get to listen to podcast things since they don't work really well you got in my Bluetooth car right now. Fixed in your car yet? No. no. Uh, I listened to it. I listened to some today and uh, using one of the damn things I got the FM thing, the iTrip or whatever. Mm-hmm. That thing sucks. It doesn't work so well. And I got through most of a podcast today, but then there were like three spots in my drive where it just crapped out so i just just that bothers me uh i had been i do i had been listening to some off and on like right before bed just let my phone go for a while and listen to a couple and and then go to bed so i don't know i'm still trying to find that spot but i'm so far behind but yeah i i got them all i've grouped them all together on my on my pod thing so i just gotta figure out when i'm gonna sit down and listen to them because i really do want to What we're playing. I don't have a ton. I don't know about you. I don't have a whole lot either. Yeah, I'll go first then real quick. Uh, Again, Pathfinder Adventure card game, except for when Jordan took it from me. I know. You know, they say, you know, got to go cold sometimes. (laughs) Get that monkey off your back. (laughs) Uh, But it's back now. (laughs) And we got a game day coming up. So it's got to make an appearance there. I actually got, uh, I was editing last night, and so I wasn't paying attention to my phone. Plus, my phone, I had an extra profile set on it that I forgot to take off, so it was on, basically on, like, vibrate. So it was off to the side, and I was editing, so I had the headphones on and all that stuff. So all of a sudden, I look over a little bit before, like, while I'm processing the uh, last episode, it's like, oh, my phone's solid, which usually means somebody's text me. Uh, not just any of the other crap I get. If it goes solid, it's usually somebody's text me. So I look over, it was Kakarl <laughs> asking about some of the Pathfinder setup stuff. So he finally got his copy and was soloing last night. So I was responding to him a little bit. So uh, it's making its rounds. People are people are playing it. Let's see, uh, of course, uh, like I said last time, Temple Run 2, playing that again because I've got a whole lot of achievements. How's that 10 million going? Yeah, I'm a long way from that. But, I, <laughs> but I've still got all those little things in the middle, but it's still that stupid, forgot how much I hated that. Oh, the advert right at the beginning? No, that no. doesn't bother me as much. But the whole, all right, do this. But now nothing else. you can do this. But I did that. Five games ago. Nope, nope. Got to do it now. Didn't count. Yeah, that that still bothers me. And uh, Saints Row 4. Playing a lot of Saints Row 4. I think I'm about halfway through it. I'm about 50% 50 through because I haven't been doing the mission stuff as much as I've been doing the uh, little quest side questy type things. You can do little activities you can do through it. So I've been knocking those out instead of actually going through the... The only time I tend to continue the actual storyline is when I know I've done most of the activities and the storyline will act, unlock more activities for me to do. So I'm about at the 50% mark. That's all I've been playing. Uh, my list is not much longer, really. 
My nephew picked up Munchkin Quest, so I went and played that with him. That's unfortunate. I dominated twice. <laughs> Doesn't say much when you dominate a complete game of chance. But, you know, <laughs> you know, it was just the core game. I don't think there was any expansion, so it went quickly. Mm-hmm. I explained to them that'll be a very bad game if all three players are just dicks and do their <laughs> best to play keep away, so... None of that really happened. There was a lot. There was, you know, you gotta buff up the monsters every now and then, mm-hmm. but there it was not. It was not really bloodthirsty like that. So when you don't have those kind of players, it's <laughs> it's an okay game. Got in a couple games of You Are the Maniac with Sarah. Um, we both like that. There's enough differences oh, right, yeah. from there's enough differences from Guillotine that it's it's not just Guillotine the hockey mask version. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a game in its own right. We'll have to bring that when we go to Crypticon. We can play that. There you go. <laughs> Thematic gameplay. There you go. (laughs) I dug up Sim Golf and I threw that on my laptop and I've been playing that. (laughs) Mizuno! That game is just ridiculously simple and just engrossing. I can just sit there for hours and build golf courses and then scrap them and start over somewhere else and build golf courses and have tournaments. It's fun. I, that, for like a 17 year old game, I just think that's good value. Also, Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. And trains. Got in a couple games of trains, finally. Uh, I'll be bringing that game day too, but got in a couple games with Sarah. She liked it. I liked it. Between us, uh, it was $60 worth of like, but, uh, I don't think it was worth, I don't think it's a $60 game, but I don't regret paying 60 bucks for it. Uh, definitely I think it should probably be at a lower price point. We heard that a couple different times at Gen Con, didn't we? There are a couple different, I think Carl and somebody else was like, it's not $60 worth. Did he play it? I th- yeah, he did. Okay. In fact, I walked by while he was oh. while he was doing one of the demos. But uh, yeah, I, I think he was one of the people that was like, "It's not sixty dollars worth of a game." So I haven't played my copy yet. Or I mean, there's a lot of box space in there, yeah. so hopefully there'll be some good expansions. But it, uh, yeah, I I do like it. I do like it very much. I do want to play it some more. Did you get the the Gen Con map? Supposedly there was a an exclusive map at Gen Con uh, somewhere. I don't. Oh, I was there either. first day, and they never mentioned it. Yeah, I so. I didn't get a no, copy I of it. No, I got just the two standard two sided yeah. Tokyo and whatever bastard or whatever part of the countryside. Game sucks now. <laughs> all right, folks, there you go. There's another episode of All Us Geeks, episode thirty of All Us Geeks. Triple digits. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, thanks for hanging out with us. I'm Jeff King. And I'm Jordan Steinhoff with the last word. Thanks for listening. I've got a hundred thousand comics carefully collected, and all the action figures for them carefully selected. The posters and promotions for each superhero movie. My ringtones rank inverter and Ash saying, I've got each permutation of the Xbox and PlayStation. My anime collection is the finest in the nation.